0: Moving out of California is not the solution. If you think that the problem is situational, well then the solution obviously is to change your situation. You do have people who believe it's more holy and godly to be living in poverty. And so they intentionally remove themselves from opportunities to gain wealth. They're not being diligent. They're not taking opportunities that God is laying before them. That's equally harmful. Okay, so this is part two
1: of our little series on leaving California. Uh, Last time we looked at the family consideration and how our parents kind of come into the discussion when we're thinking about moving out of California. And today we're gonna be looking at the vocational concern, which if I'm willing to bet is probably the most common argument you get when it comes to leaving California. So Pastor Paul, tell us what you mean when you bring up the concern, the vocational concern or occupational concern that needs to be taken before someone just jumps ship and moves out of California or whatever state it is for that matter?
0: Yeah, good question. Thank you. Um, What I would say is that we need to distinguish the family consideration from the occupational one. Uh, The family consideration is something that I often have to bring to people's attention and they're ready to go for a lot of different reasons. And I have to ask the question, do you have family here in California? Do you have parents who need you? Right? So this is something I'm bringing to the table. But when we're talking about the occupational one, that's the one that I find most people are bringing to the table when they speak to me. Mm -hmm. That is the number one reason that they think uh, they're justified in leaving California. They may say something like, uh, pastor, I just want to make sure uh, that I can provide for my family. So really the concern is their concern. And right at the outset, one of the very first things I do is I return a response in question form. I go from the abstract uh, to the concrete. They say they want to be able to provide for their family. I'm not sure what that means. So I go in and I say, but are you able uh, to provide for your family with the current job that you have? You see, so by changing it that way, I'm actually bringing the discussion into the realm of pastoral counseling. Gotcha. So you
1: scratch a little bit below the surface, you counter their argument with a question. Mm -hmm. So are you currently able to provide for yourself in California? And so where do you like to take the discussion
0: at that point? Or what do you most commonly hear in response? Yeah, a lot of people don't know how to answer the question, to be honest with you. And it's one of the beautiful things about the question, because it allows the conversation to move into the realm of what we might call uh, sub considerations mm-hmm. and there are two sub considerations. Notice the wording of my question is very intentional mm-hmm. okay First of all, I'm not asking if the person is doing a good job at being a dad or or a husband or uh, an employee. I'm asking objectively speaking, is he able to provide for his family with the current job he has? so I'm talking about ability I'm talking about something that is uh, measurable that we can, we can look at, we can analyze it and we can say yes or no. I'm talking about if I were to switch places with this person right now, would I be able to take his income and make ends meet? Yeah. You see? And, and then the other, the other part of this that it, sort of a sub consideration, um, is because the question, um, is I would say intentionally vague mm-hmm. in another as- in another uh, point. And that is uh, when it comes to the definition of what it means to provide.
1: Yeah. So you're not so quick to hit it with the rubber stamp and say, Godspeed. uh, You need to provide for your family. No questions asked. Time to go. Let's wrap it up. Start packing the bags and move. Uh, It's not that quick of a discussion with you, right? Because I understand the topic of leaving because you can't provide can sometimes be a little bit sacred and uh, you don't, people might not want you to encroach on their privacy but this is a real concern that needs to be had and you're not too quick to just excuse people just because they say i can't provide
0: that's a very very good point yes you are absolutely correct i mean if i was just a christian brother and someone said brother i need to provide for my family i would say absolutely amen go Mm -hmm. and prosper right yeah um but like you said and i like that rubber stamp analogy it's not my job to just give a rubber stamp to every reason that a person gives for doing what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? It, yeah. As a pastor, it is my job to ask the difficult questions and to listen very carefully and try to discern where this person is at uh, when it comes to this situation. So, no, I think you're absolutely right. It, it, um, it's like we're now entering upon private property, though. Mm-hmm. It's a touchy subject. It's something that a lot of people feel uncomfortable talking about. Uh, how dare I even question the right and responsibility of a man to provide for my own family. That would be, you know, a, a distortion of what I'm doing. But yeah. you see, the emotional response could be very similar to something like that.
1: Yeah. So countering with um, asking them a similar question of Are you currently able to provide mm-hmm. with your current occupation, in California? It does start to get the conversation flowing, and you can start seeing into maybe some of the concerns that a person who's thinking about leaving hasn't quite worked through. Right. right. So. Uh, are you able, number one, and uh, provide, what do you mean by provide? Right. So talk to each of those, let's start with able, what do you mean when you ask someone, are you able uh, to currently provide for yourself?
0: Right, so again, uh, that part is on the objective um, perspective, right, it's on the objective axis, if you will, uh, because, because we're really talking about, um, you know, beneath the surface, we're talking about financial stewardship. Yeah, yep. we're saying, okay, y- you have a certain job, Uh, you make a certain amount of money, you have a certain amount of expenses, you've got a certain amount of mouths that you have to feed. You've got a wife and children, maybe you homeschool, uh, transportation, all of these things. Let's add them up and let's ask the question on your current income, are you able to provide sufficiently for your family so that they can serve God in his kingdom?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? So this is really about opening up that budget. It's really about laying out the spending patterns because what I find, pastorally speaking, and trust me, I I don't have very many years of experience, but in just these few years of pastoral experience, this is an issue that comes up over and over and over again. When people say that the money's tight, the very first thing that comes to mind now, just with a little bit of experience, is uh, how is this person doing in terms of his financial stewardship.
1: So finances is an area that requires sanctification. The Bible speaks to finances. Um, Financial stewardship is absolutely a biblical principle. So that's why I imagine uh, that's an area that you need to look at. So do you usually recommend someone talk to the senior pastor, an elder, deacons? Where do you kind of work with that person when it comes to evaluating whether or not they're being financially stewardess if that's a word
0: yeah yeah well if if they allow me to Mm because this is what i recommend i would set them up with the deacons i would have them sit down with the deacons of the church and go through their budget and put a second or a third set of eyes on their spending uh, because i can almost guarantee if that were to take place the deacons can easily find places in their spending that can be improved yeah right and i could say uh and, and what I'm not talking about, just, just so we're clear, I'm not talking about reducing our people to a diet of beans and rice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm not saying top ramen for dinner forever. Yeah. Uh, this is how you, you know, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you sort of justify staying in California. It's because uh, we despise all of those prosperous Christians and we want to intentionally be poor and impoverished. I mean, you won't imagine some of the things I hear when we start touching upon this subject. Mm. So none of that is true. What we're looking at is something that is reasonable, something yeah. that's objective. Yeah. And, and, and that doesn't mean that a person's current financial situation has to stay the same. Uh, the deacons can also help them find ways to increase income right where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. And to decrease expenses right where they're at, right? right? So the reason this is important pastorally is because it asks the fundamental question, where is the problem located? So many people just think the problem's located outside of themselves. It's external to them. It's in my situation, it's in my job, it's in California, the high taxes, and and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, the problem is internal. The problem is a lack of discipline, frivolous spending, lack of perspective, a theological perspective on stewardship. Right? Yeah. So these are the things that asking this particular question allows me uh, to discern as I'm working with people about this one vocational concern. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so you bring up a good point that it's oftentimes uh, and really oftentimes not about uh, the circumstances they're in, whether or not they're not making enough money or the environment that they're in is just too expensive uh, affordability. It's oftentimes a character issue or it's something to do with financial discipline so you help bring people kind of inwards so rather than looking outside they look inwards and there's an interesting statistic that kind of follows with that uh, with lottery winners and it's fascinating that uh, statistics show that 70 percent of lottery winners end up going bankrupt and i think that ties back to that principle of financial stewardship it's not so much uh, a lack of finances cuz here we have people that are are suddenly financially abundant they're yeah. they're wealthy they're rich because yeah. they won the lottery but 70% of them still end up bankrupt so you tell people to pump the brakes when they're thinking about moving because before you just send someone off to arkansas you want to make sure that they're not bringing this financial um strain with them which is a character flaw or a lack of financial stewardship and end up in a worse position in another state than they were here in California or wherever they find themselves.
0: Absolutely, 100%. I had a friend in high school who that very thing happened to his mother. She won the lottery. I think it was like, I don't know, it was a small one. It was like, um, it was a couple million dollars. They spent it all, and they ended up being just as broke as they they first were. So that's funny you say that, 70%. Okay, but uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. When you're you're saying um, the Lord bless you, go and prosper, and they move to a different state, Uh, they're going to take their bad habits with them and so let's say they do get an increase in money well they're just going to increase their standard of living yep uh let's say they they find a place where cost of living is is lower they're going to spend their extra money on other things moving out of california is not the solution if you think that the problem is situational well then the solution obviously is to change your situation Mm -hmm. but if you recognize that the problem is personal then the solution is very different and now moving is totally irrelevant to the discussion. Yeah. And this is what I find in a lot of cases.
1: Gotcha. Um, so there's a theology behind stewardship. There is um, discipline that needs to be exercised. And your job as a pastor is to help people recognize that. Right. So what's the second part? We're going to be moving into uh, providing and what people mean when they say, I can't provide for my family. And sometimes it's not so much a lack of provision, it's their idea or their ideal of
0: providing, right? Right. As a pastor, I want to get that picture that's in their mind, right? I want to know, what are you picturing when you think of providing for your family? Mm -hmm. Because two different people who live in two different parts of the world are going to give two completely different answers to that one question. Why? Because we are culturally um, conditioned. conditioned. Right, right. We're using a cultural norm, if you will, as a grid through which to uh judge whether or not we're meeting a biblical requirement Mm -hmm. and so it's very subjective it's it's um it's it's not concrete it's not objective so i don't want to pretend like i can give them a list of points or some objective criteria that they can look at and say okay if i have these things now i'm meeting the biblical requirement for providing for my family um my, my whole reason of asking are you able to provide is i want to see how they're thinking i want to know what the picture is in their mind because the one thing i don't want them to do is confuse the biblical requirement with something more akin to american prosperity mm-hmm. or what we might call the american dream right
1: and, and not that there's anything inherently wrong with wealth or the american dream or owning a big home uh, but like you said, going back to, uh, basically reiterating to equate prosperity with provision or being able to provide is wrong. Right. And that's where we need to reorient ourselves and have a right perspective on what it means to provide.
0: Right. So there's, there's two extremes that we want to avoid, right? We're trying to navigate between two icebergs that will sink the ship. Yeah. Right. And you know, on, on, on one part you're saying, Hey, listen, we all need to prosper health, wealth, and prosperity movement. I mean that whole thing has just destroyed uh, the christian witness in many parts of the world Um, there's a false standard there Uh, god wants you to be whole and healed and healthy and rich and if you're not then you don't have god's blessing uh that's heresy we don't we don't believe that i'm not saying that for a minute on the other on the other side of it though you do have people who believe it's more holy and godly to be living in poverty and so they intentionally um, remove themselves from opportunities to gain wealth. They're not being diligent. They're not taking opportunities that God is laying before them. That's equally harmful. Uh, we should prosper. We should be diligent, hard workers, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, the accumulation of wealth is not a bad thing in and of itself. So how do you find that middle
1: ground or what does the Bible speak of in regards to that middle ground, uh, between the two
0: icebergs? Exactly. And, and that's, that's the difficult thing here because, Uh, the bible doesn't point us in either direction okay as a norm Mm -hmm. it just doesn't uh the bible says that the rich and the poor come together and the lord is the maker of them both right so you're always going to have that variableness in the body of christ and in the kingdom of god it's just going to exist forever we're not trying to equalize it either way jesus is not a socialist jesus is not a communist whether we're trying to raise people's standard of living or lower people's standard of living. We're not trying to, to do that. Yeah. So that's what makes this difficult and subjective. But I would say that there's a sweet spot. You talked about a balance. Yeah. And I think the balance is, is, is a, is a combination of wisdom, diligence, perspective, and contentment. Yeah. And when you're, when you're bringing those virtues together, right? uh, You hit this sweet spot of navigating your financial stability. And I think that's reflected in a passage of scripture, uh, in Proverbs chapter 30, Mm -hmm. uh, Proverbs 30. And I have it here. I'll just read it for you so you can see how the writer doesn't want to be rich, doesn't want to be poor, doesn't want too much, doesn't want too little. He says, two things I request of you. And he's talking to God. He says, deprive me not before I die, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Amen. Yeah, that speaks to that well. Yeah, so you see how the writer there is is not falling into either one of the extremes. He's navigating uh, through this question about what does it mean to have that financial stability that God himself requires, or that puts me in a position to be able to serve God Mm -hmm. uh, freely and sincerely uh, without entering into either sin.
1: Yeah, and Pastor Paul, I know if anybody had to make some strong considerations with regard to their vocation, Mm -hmm. uh, it would be you. I mean, you're a home of 10, a household of 10, you don't drive a limo to work every day. You don't have a private jet. Uh, you don't have a room for every child in your home, but you've found content. And I think you'd be the first person to raise your hand if someone asked, uh, do you provide for your family or do you have what it takes to provide? I think I'd hear a, a resounding yes, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, going back to something you said earlier, you said um, it's not wrong for us to have these material possessions, right? The big house, the beautiful green grass, the white picket fence, you know, whatever you imagine, Five, 10, 15. Acre property, all the good stuff. Uh, No one's complaining about that. No one's saying that you shouldn't have that. But you said, and I like this uh, the problem comes in when you equate the possession of those things with achieving the biblical requirement. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's spot on. Now, coming back to me, what that means is that if I'm talking to a person who has inadvertently equated those things with the biblical requirement of providing for their household, then they would immediately have to look at me and say, Pastor Paul, Therefore, you're not really providing for your household. Yeah. And I would beg to differ. Mm-hmm. You see, because I don't have all of those, those things that we're talking about. So we don't want to confuse those two things. You're right. I, I have a big family. I have, um, I have nine kids, uh, eight still at home. We homeschool all mm-hmm. of them. Uh, we are a single income family. Um, I pastor a, a small local church, right? And we have two vehicles, and we don't have a room for every kid, uh, you know, but we are far from poverty. Right. We are far from being uh, hindered from serving God with our lives. We, uh, nobody's starving. Everyone's got plenty of clothes. Everyone's got a roof over their head. You guys are blessed. We are absolutely totally blessed. Totally blessed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so this is what I'm saying, going back to wrapping this whole thing up in terms of the consideration that uh, we need to have we are not trying to convince people in the final analysis not to leave California. All right. That might be punchy. It might be provocative. uh, We might want to say that. uh, But as a pastor, I need to be responsible. Okay. So uh, there are ministries out there, books that are being written, uh, blogs that are being posted and uh, uh, maybe podcasts that are going forth that are giving people some advice for strategic planning and building the kingdom of god and part of that has been this whole campaign to leave california there's a lot of different reasons that may or may not be valid this series here is not in opposition to that it's supplemental to that because as i have people who are coming to me they've heard the blog they've read the blogs they've heard the podcast and all of that and they want to know do i um, as I look at my own life, do I qualify for this uh, particular venture? Yeah, And I'm helping them work through that. I'm saying, you can leave California, and you can leave California with my blessing. Mm-hmm. I would love to see you go and prosper. Just make sure you're not violating any important biblical principle that I'm covering in this series. Right. Uh, make that family consideration. Take it seriously. Don't abandon your parents for the sake of supposedly building the kingdom of God. And this vocational consideration, before you just assume that this reasoning applies to yourself, I just want to be able to provide for my family. Let's take a good look at your situation and find out. Let's ask the fundamental question Are you currently able to provide for your family? Yeah. Right. So, so th- this is more of a pastoral thing. And if we could check off all those boxes, right, we can go down all those points of criteria and everything is good to go, then see you later. Yeah. So we've, we've covered the
1: family concern, Uh, we just covered the vocational concern. So even if they've met those two criteria, we still need to talk about the missional concern, which is gonna be in the next episode. Um, So we've got five parts to this series or five considerations to this series, and you better not move until you've taken a look at all five of those. So we'll look at the next one in the next episode and uh, we'll see you then, okay?